Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. And in a series, oh, by the way, our Crossroads uh, Family Values, um, just uh, won't go through all those this morning because we have a lot going on, but I I would just say, um, folks, grow deeper with us. Take the next step with us. If you have a question, that might just begin with a coffee or engaging with us. Um, Please let us know how we can help come alongside you uh, in the next step. If you're here for a season and you're a part of our seasonal group, thank you for being here. Press in while you're here. Even if it's a week, come be a part of fellowship tonight. We kick kick off our outpost again, restart it. We're here at 6 o'clock. It's prayer and worship. Um, just come and it's ministry time. Uh, come and be a part. We're also rolling out our E4 Holy Spirit class um, tonight. We'll just slowly get into that. We'll be in that the rest through the end of the year. Uh, at 6 o'clock and it'll be tight, 6 to 7, 7.30. Um, come uh, as long as you can and pray with us. It'll be a good time. It starts tonight and that'll be every Sunday night uh, at 6 p.m. All right, so um, are we good to go with the slides back there? Awesome. All right, let's dive in. Um, if you've been with us, we've been in this series going through Kings and Chronicles, or well, Samuel we started with, Kings and Chronicles, Lessons from the Kings. There's nothing new under the sun, as Solomon said, and even in his own life and what we're seeing, these are universal things that we see that God put in his word in the Old Testament that we should be paying attention to so we don't repeat those same um, things. We've been pulling each week two to three lessons um, to, wow, what can we learn from the journey of the kings? Um, this morning, we transitioned from King Solomon. We looked at him, the lessons we could learn from his life. Um, we move into his son, Rehoboam, who took over uh, after him. And kind of, the, again, now we're moving towards a, a broken kingdom of Israel. Israel will never be the same. It will never be uh, like it was with David reigning as a shepherd, who shepherded the people with integrity of heart. And then his son Solomon, where the temple was built. Uh, that was the highlight of Israel's um, history. Uh, from here on, the rest of the Old Testament, we have little revivals break out, but for the most part, it's a broken kingdom. And we come to the history this morning uh, to where the, tw- the kingdom's torn, and we have this northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Rehoboam is only left with Jerusalem, Judah, and uh, we see Jeroboam comes in to take the ten northern kingdoms, um, and they're separate and they're at odds from here on out. Um, in the history of the Old Testament, in the history of Israel, as we move towards uh, the coming of the Savior, the one who um, fulfills all of God's promises. So, this morning we're going to be First Kings chapter 12. If you have your Bible, if you don't, there's one underneath the seat in front of you. Um, and I'm going to, for the sake of time this morning, kind of run through these three lessons. But here's what we're going to dive into in a short period of time. How are we making decisions and processing the consequences? Um, anybody made a bad decision in life? Um, who taught you how to make decisions? I mean, it's one of our life is a product of the decisions we make. Do you know that? And did anybody ever come alongside you and teach you how to make a good decision? What does that look like? And we're going to learn this morning from Rehoboam, uh, learn from his failure on this, some things, uh, three things three lessons to add to our growing lessons from the kings this morning on decision making and also how do I process right the consequences 
um, as we go along. Has anybody ever thought you made a good decision, but afterwards, the consequence of that decision, you were, you were kind of stumped and like, wow, I thought that was the right decision, and, and you were confused about the outcome. And how do you know a decision is the right decision? How do you know it's God's decision for your life? Has anybody journeyed with you? Do you have confidence to know how to make decisions? Um, Again, folks, our life is a product of our decisions. And so let me just say this one word to us is that we have things that are dealt to us in life, right? Things that come upon us that we don't have control over, some very bad things sometimes. But the course of our life is really ultimately about the decision, my response to those things, all things. It's really on me, the decisions I make, how I handle what happens to me and how I move forward through that. Our culture continually has uh, hit us with this idea, we're the victim um, and, I, we, and we blame others or circumstance for this is the way I am or this is my circumstances and we've created a culture that allow, has allowed all of that to form who they are um, which is a very dangerous course. Rather than the idea to realize is that we have before God responsibility and a free will. No matter what comes our way, I have a decision how I'm going to respond to that and process that. And to make a decision of how I'm going to move through whatever those circumstances are, even no matter how bad they are, before God, by a step of faith, how am I going to respond? And folks, this is deep discipleship. In other words, journeying with somebody how to Make a, a good decision. I just th- say to all of us who are parents, is have we properly walked with our children to help them understand how to make a decision, a good decision that, to, to hear from the Lord, yes. right? To know that there is the, um, the counsel, the wise counsel around to, to move a decision forward, to know that. Um, and so I, I hope to just give some things this morning, bring encouragement. Um, and finally, I would say this. Every single one of us this morning is probably in the midst of wrestling with a past decision we made, the consequence of that, wrestling with a decision we're in the process of making, or wrestling with a decision we know we need to make. And I would just say my prayer this week has been that God would move this morning. And I would just ask you not to bolt out of here, but as we move into ministry time, to be available. And if you have, most of us are wrestling with some decisions. And uh, I would just pray the Spirit of God would bring the gospel to bear on those decisions and bring healing this morning. That you get a chance to pray with somebody or somebody pray for you um, and to lift that up and to bring insight and to bring comfort, right? To know the gospel, right, is adequate to cover my past failures, right? And, and to put me at a place right with God to hear him and my, the gospel's more than sufficient to give me the wisdom and the leading of the Spirit of God for current decisions and the Spirit of God and the Lord Jesus wants to lead us, right, into proper decision-making moving forward, right? Greatest decision any of us can make, I'm just going to be real blunt, is whether we're going to follow Jesus or not. There's no more decision, greater decision, anyone in all the earth can make on that decision of who is Jesus. Is he who he says he is? If he is, then I'm going to bow my knee. He is my Lord and Savior. I'm going to align my life with his reality, and I'm going to reject the reality that the world tries to impose upon me. 
And I hope if you're here this morning, if you're watching online, whatever it may be, if you haven't made that decision, if you're unsure about the greatest decision in all of the world, there's only one who came, claimed ultimately to be God and rise from the dead, and whose historical record has been now out there, and who offers the grace and the salvation that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the name above all names. And so I hope that this morning, maybe you would uh, not leave here without right, praying with someone as well. All right, let's dive in. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is Rehoboam. How we got here is, um, excuse me? Oh, 1 Kings chapter 12. Thank you. Keep me honest here. Um, a quick history, how we got here. So Solomon, if you are here last week, Solomon did not end well. It's a tragic story. The one who gave us the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the one who gave us all the wisdom literature, he didn't follow his own advice. He did not follow the very thing he knew to be right. And again, as we talked about last week, you can have all the wisdom in the world and you can make bad decisions and end your life away from God because you didn't know God and lean into him, right? And so because of that, God promised, he had promised him great things, but because of his uh, rejection of God, his lack of devotion to God, his, you know, we talked last week, his just completely rejecting, disobeying God's commands, God came and he tore the kingdom. He promised he would tear the kingdom from Solomon. But not from, uh, but not in his time, it wouldn't happen until his son, Rehoboam. And so um, that leads us into chapter 12. Here we go. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. So Solomon has died now. And as soon as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of it, for he was still in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon, um, then Jeroboam returned from Egypt, and they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and said, and said to Rehoboam. So let me stop there. Who is this Jeroboam guy? So if you go back a chapter... And you read what's happened because of Solomon's disobedience, God raised up adversaries against him. This is really important. Is that if we make wrong decisions, if we disobey God, especially if we're given great responsibility and blessing from God, is that we can find ourselves in, in, in opposition against God and his ways and his will. And uh, so God, because of uh, Solomon's great um, lack of devotion and disobedience, he raises up adversaries in Egypt and in Syria. And this other guy was one of his own men who, um, who he gave power to um, oversee all of the forced labor in Israel. And um, a prophet came to Jeroboam and said, you're going to be the king of the northern kingdom. I'm going to rip apart Solomon's uh, kingdom. And uh, Jeroboam, his, or, uh, his son's only going to have um, the southern king of Israel or, or um, Judah. And so what happened was um, when that word, that prophetic word came back to Solomon, he was going to kill Jeroboam. So Jeroboam fled to, uh, fled to, fled, uh, fled to, um, to uh, uh, I have my, my grammar correction here in front, just immediate correction here. <laughs> So it's kind of, that's what Sunday afternoon looks like. Hey, do you know how many times you, anyway. um, So <clears throat> Jeroboam, now that Solomon is dead, he comes back to, uh, to Egypt, up to, excuse me, back to um, Israel. And this is where we pick up. And Jeroboam comes and he rallies the northern kingdoms and he says to uh, Jeroboam, your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us. 
and we will serve you. So now we have a little insight into Solomon. Not only did he, as he moved away from obedience to God, he also moved in harsh treatment of the people and put harsh labor upon the people to build right, his kingdom. Unlike his father David, who shepherded the people with integrity of heart, as the scripture says. And he said to them, go away for three days and then come again to me. So the people went away. Um, <clears throat> then King Jeroboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon, his father. So here's the counsel of the elderly who also were part of the great wisdom, the greatest wisdom bringing together of all time, actually. And he comes to these men who were his father's wise men. And he, um, saying, how do you advise me to answer the people? And they said to him, if you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. But he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him and he took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him, went to his peers. And he said to them, <clears throat> to the young men, what do you advise that we um, answer the people who have said to me, lighten the yoke that your fathers put on us. And the young man who had grown up with him said to him, this shall you speak to this people who said to you, your father made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. This shall you say to them, my little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. Um, that's kind of a, uh, you know, a, yeah, in other words, I'm greater than my father, right? It's a slap down. And now, whereas my father laid on you heavy, a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. That's the advice of the young crew. So Jeroboam and all the people came to um, Rehoboam the third day as the king said, come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people harshly forsaking the counsel that the old men had given him. He spoke to them according to the counsel of the young men, saying, my father, uh, made a heavy, uh, my father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord. Now listen to this. Verse 15, let me say it again. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord that he might fulfill his word which the Lord spoke to Ahijah, the um, Shilonite, to Jeroboam, who was the prophet, to Jeroboam, the son of Nebuchadnezzar. So before this, the prophet had already spoken to Jeroboam of what was going to happen. All right. There's much more we could read, but let me just, uh, since we have a little short of time, just bust into a couple things for us this morning. First thing, got three this morning. Um, Again, I give you a whole bunch of other verses is we only can touch a little bit here and in, into the history. Folks, there's so much wisdom. And as Solomon himself says, there's nothing new under the sun. If you want wisdom, just pour into the word of God and ask God to grant you wisdom. Whatever you're looking for wisdom for, just in wisdom itself, just for life. So I encourage you to go read these other passages. This also, this same account is in Second Chronicles chapter 10. Um, just a little different perspective. But here's the first lesson this morning. Good decision making begins with seeking the Lord's counsel and otherwise counselors and valuing age in the midst of our youth driven culture. Whoa. Everybody get that? Young people, you get that? 
We live in a youth-driven culture today, and I'm going to just give a couple uh, illustrations that are a quote here in just a second. But let me just go through a couple things on this. First of all, what the primary problem we can see is, look what's happened from David to Solomon to Jeroboam. David, he did nothing. He was the man for God's own heart. He did nothing. What was his first thing to do when he had a big decision? He sought the Lord. He went to the temple, he went to the tabernacle, he sought, he got alone with the Lord, he sought the Lord, cried out to the Lord, he called the prophets, he called wise counsel, he went to the Lord. And we see none of that here with Jeroboam. Right, we see, or, excuse me, with Rehoboam. As we see, the first thing he does is he just gets, he gets caught up in the business. He gets, here are the counselors, here's the business meeting, what are we going to do? And calls his, his dad's advisors in at first and, and asks what's going on. There's no pursuit, right, of God. Um, that's the first thing for us. It's just, number one is, man, if I have a big decision, have I? And not just big decisions. I'm even, right, finding my own life. God wants me to come to him with the little decisions. Just say, Lord, what do I do here? Right? The more we open our soul to him, the more he's going to speak. And that's what he wants, to lead and speak into our lives, Right? Um, the other thing we see here, we see this, this difference between the old wise guys and the young pups in how they advise the king and their agendas that were behind all that. Um, and I, I think today, one thing you can, and there's so many things that can be said here, but I'd say this, is, is it's a difference between, is that this drive for innovation, I'm going to use modern terminology here, over wisdom. A drive for innovation more than wisdom. And just if you're in the marketplace today, I ask you this wisdom he's pulled from this is, am I bringing in wisdom along with all the fast-paced technology and innovation? Lots of talk about innovation. Where's the wisdom, right? And I'll give a quote here to back that up in a second. The other thing is just that we see that with the younger crew, this, this passion as well as Solomon fell into this, right, and an embrace, right, of achievement over people. David was, a, he shepherded the people. Um, he was beloved, right? He, he was always concerned, man, just read about David. When he messed up, he saw the impact on the people and he interceded for the people. He pleaded before God for the people. We see none of that. We see Solomon putting a whip to the people. We see his son going even further. And even today, right, we see, and even in our own lives, right, we can get caught up in the achievement, what has to be done, right, versus people. And so wisdom, again, is, is the people, What's happening in this process of achievement is what Lord is going to hold me accountable, all of us accountable for is what have we done with the people right along um, the way? So I want to read this quote here. This is from um, Arthur Brooks. Some of you have probably read some of his stuff. This is brilliant. Let me uh, read this for us. The teaching, and this is just shows, and I'm going to relay this to the church as well. Um, just this, this idea of where, how we so need wisdom today and how it has left many sectors, okay, in our very youth-driven culture. The teaching gift of crystallized intelligence, that's his terminology for uh, intelligence that comes over a period of time as you age, 
um, was on my mind a couple of years ago when I gave a speech to the employees of a prominent Silicon Valley tech firm. I took the opportunity to ask whether anyone in this youth-dominated business ever thought about age diversity. Do you have enough old people working here, I asked. His response was instructive. You mean people over 30? (laughs) You know, punk? You know, I love it. Um, The point is not to find jobs for the elderly. It is to glean the wisdom and experience from people um, who have seen a lot, have already made every stupid mistake in the book, and can teach the younger folks um, <clears throat> before they make avoidable errors. Wow. Over the last few years, the youth dominated, this is so insightful, the youth dominated firms in the tech sector have, bad, have been battered by scandals and plummeting public admiration, where once they were venerated as the future of capitalism, today people often see their products as harmful and their leaders as selfish and childish. About every Wall Street Journal or some example of this. Older executives in other industries just shake their heads at the seemingly obvious mistakes the young tech entrepreneurs are making. So what do the young shots need? Old people on product teams, old people in marketing, old people in C-suite. They need not just whiz-bang ideas, but actual wisdom that only comes with years in the school of hard knocks. Wow. Wow. Yeah, all the gray hairs saying, amen, right? Come on, amen. Yeah, yeah. Um, So folks, no different in the church. I mean, the tragedy, right, in the church today is look how many more things of of fallen pastors and mess-ups and just go down the list of stuff that's happening in the church today, right, that is causing so many people to get cynical about the church, move back from the church. It's because, I mean, there's several reasons, but this is a huge factor, right, is that there is not wisdom, healthy eldership wisdom around young pastors, young leaders. It's true in the church. It's true out there in the world, right, in the marketplace. Does it make sense? So again, good decision-making begins with seeking the Lord's counsel and other wise counselors, valuing age, right, in the midst of this youth-driven culture. And folks, for us who are aging, it means I have to age well. I need to be somebody that is wise and not just aging myself out. A lot of people just age out and they don't stay engaged. And it's a whole other message, actually. All right, lesson 14. We'll get there. Oh, let me step back. (laughs) Of course. Um, What did Jesus say? There's so much here, right? But Jesus called, this is Matthew 20, them to him and said, and this is the layover to, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Jesus came and always took things deeper, always went straight to the heart. Uh, um, Rehoboam and his young Um, leaders, they wanted nothing to do with servant leadership. And it wasn't passed down from Solomon to them. Jesus called them and he said to them, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Just what we read in Kings. And their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to, to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. 
We get, we'll have a whole other series just on servant leadership. What does that look like today? The church has got to get this right so it can move out right into um, the corporate world. What does healthy lead? What is holding authority and responsibility and at the same time being a servant, right? Well, just the things I said before. It's putting God first and it's putting people before my achievement, right? And it's leading like David did with integrity of heart, right? And along the way, sometimes, sometimes tough decisions have to be made, but have to lean into the Lord and value the people, right, along the way. Um, lesson 14, <clears throat> the role of the prophet and the gift of prophecy in the church and society will increase, this is really important, toward the end times and should be embraced as a key element in guidance and revealing God's plan. This is huge. And again, I'm going to come back to this because it's such a big... We're getting ready into... In a couple chapters, we're going to have um, Elijah enter into this. We see as the kingdom starts to tumble, we see the, the vamping up of the prophets of God speaking in even to the king, into the whole society. And the prophet is black and white and it's the man of God that just calls it out even publicly. This is the heart of God. And we see in this whole, I didn't have time, but go read chapter 11 before and the rest of chapter 12 and we see the role of the prophet. Um, the prophet already came. And uh, as we read back here, the Hegeida had already come and given the word to Jeroboam about the dividing of the kingdom, um, what was going to transpire. Um, and we see the role of another prophet, the end of chapter 12, as we move towards the, the pinnacle of the prophetic movement in the Old Testament with Elijah and, and Elisha. But the role of the prophet, and again, I give you a bunch of passages here. Um, this is really important to understand. Jesus, Matthew 24, all the discourse says, as the time of the end comes, there will be more false Christs arise, there will be more false prophets arise. You move to the book of Revelation, you see the prophecy. It combines these saints and prophets. Um, <clears throat> obviously, what's changed into this whole, and I don't have time to do a whole theological journey with prophecy, but you have this whole shift, right, from the man of God being called uh, to specifically speak into Israel, moving into the New Testament, right, where at Pentecost, the, um, Joel chapter 2 was fulfilled now because God's heart has always been all of his children, all of his children should not only have pure access to his throne that Jesus accomplished, but all of his children should prophesy. And that's exactly what it says at Acts chapter 2, right? The fulfillment of this is that now your sons and daughters will all prophesy. Your servants will prophesy because the outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God. And... Um, and so there's much to say here, uh, but the role of the prophet and the gift of the prophecy in the church and society will increase um, toward the end times and should be embraced as a key element in guidance and God's will. Um, we see it in the book of Acts, whether it was Agabus or just how it was used in worship. Um, you can go to 1 Corinthians and find some of those details. But let me just say this. I think it's real important um, to kind of think on this issue, especially as we move this direction, right, is as, as our own nation is struggling, right, is that, boy, you see prophetic, the importance of that on a larger scale, it should always be nurtured in the church in a healthy way because obviously it needs to be um, watched carefully, right, and nurtured carefully. But the command to the church is to earnestly desire the spiritual goals, especially that you would prophesy. That's everybody. That's a command of God. 
And the church that does not press in, a church that does not operate and does not move in and to equip and to do this in a healthy way, listen very carefully, is going to be a church that is going to be vulnerable as the end times come. Jesus couldn't be any clearer as the end time comes. There's going to be false prophets. There's going to be false Christ. That means the gift of the work of prophecy is something that's going to be happening. It elevates as we move into the book of Revelation. The church that's ignorant to that, the church that rejects that, is a church that is going to be radically vulnerable to the false message and everything that happens out there. I'll leave that at that, just to ponder. But I hope that that makes um, really important sense. So here's the only question before we move to the last one is, who are the prophets today? Who are the prophets this is, I hope, to be a profound thing. It's you. It's you. And just take a look at any of these verses right here. It's you. Now, everyone has a different measure of, of gifting and, 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 and their role and their influence, all those kind of things. But um, I would um, just say it's something that God wants to see. He's going to restore, renew in a powerful way to speak. And as any nation turns, he raises up people to speak clearly right into um, the situation, right? And that should begin in, in his church. Does this make sense? A lot more I could say here. And maybe you're here and you're from a, a denominational background or something where, man, that's not even talked about. Or you, or you look at it like, oh, that's kind of uh, scary. I just give you the word of God to go investigate yourself. And I give a high warning to pull back from this when it is clearly going to increase. It is going to be the thing Jesus said that leads the church, even the elect, away because they don't have the discernment about false and good prophecy because they have not embrace that ministry they don't have a clue because as first corinthians 14 says is the prophets are subject to the prophets in the church there needs to be this healthy testing of things in the body and a fanning to flame god's very command which is to pursue this model it exercise it practice it in the church we will be vulnerable um, if we do not take god's word right um, for what it says all right does that make sense guidance folks that's a part of all in the scripture. That's how he guides. Is the word from one another. Right? Not on a huge national scale. Uh, that's available. Right? Uh, Agabus and others in the book of Acts. But, um, man, on a personal level, somebody praying for you that gets a word. I don't know about you, but some of the most encouraging, confirming things have been, right, to, uh, to hear a word. Right? From the Lord. Because the Lord wants to speak. That's how we should be operating. Now, you've got to test it all. And you never take somebody else's, and I don't know if I'll come to it next week, chapter 13 is an amazing chapter on these two, the, the, the prophetic ministry uh, in Israel and the, and the importance to not just listen to the word and take that to make sure, again, I'm responsible no matter what comes to me, no matter how radical that revelation or prophecy is, I still have to go to God, Lord, is that your word? I got to test it. Is it true to the written word of God? Is it true to my heart? Lord, I need confirmation. And I can't, I should never step out on what somebody else says. I should let that confirm and, and nurture and encourage me. But I have to step out on faith that I'm hearing from God. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Let's go to the last lesson. Lesson 15. Good decision making and processing of consequences requires holding the tension between God's sovereignty. Right? And our responsibility. This is just key, folks. 
This is just absolutely key. And this is where you read this whole section. And, uh, and then it says, right, uh, for it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord. The Lord had already sent his prophets saying, this is what's going to happen. And you say, well, what, did, you, did Rehoboam really have a choice? Absolutely. And folks, all through the Bible, beginning to end, this is deep discipleship, understanding the heart of God, always holding together the idea that God is sovereign. There is no chance. And so let me just say, for a growing believer who's led by the Spirit of God, who has a biblical worldview, there is never chance. Don't ever let the word luck, good luck, or anything that come off your lips. That is never a part of the Christian worldview. There is nothing by chance. Everything. God knows when a sparrow falls from the tree. He knows how many hairs you have on your head. He's sovereign. He's glorious. And I have to hold that, and I don't let that oppose the idea that I have a real responsibility. These intimately go together. Intimately go together. So when something bad, let's just go deep here, bad happens to me, I can't sit there. I'm going to be in huge trouble. I'm going to be in opposition to God if I start blaming him for that. It's like, God, you could have stopped this. And this is a part of uh, counsel and everything else that we, we have to recover is the sovereignty of God. He's a good God. I might not understand the whole, he's always at work. He always has a plan. Nothing is happening. What's happening in America didn't like, oh, God's up there. Wow, I can't believe what's happening down there is he knows exactly what's happening. But we also have a pure free will. These must, this is called faith. It's called tension. Faith is tension. Trusting God. I don't understand God. You're sovereign. I worship you. But, and I am responsible for my decisions as Rehoboam, as anybody else in the scripture. Does it make sense? So final thing here. Dirt, y'all come on up. Kind of going a little quick this morning. What is God saying to you about decisions you've made in the past, you're about to make, and that you need to make? And I, I'm just going to pray for us. And again, as I said before, um, this is a place where we minister to one another. Um, this is a place for prayer. This is a place for encouragement. This should be a place of, of gaining wisdom, of seeking that out from one another and practicing that, stepping into each other's lives. And, and so I'm just, I hope that will set with you here and, um, and that you would just take some time. You'd bring people into your decision-making. Remember, it's first, seek God first. Next step of this is obviously God in his word. And then bring the wise counsel. Who are godly people who can speak into this, into my life, and pray with me and will genuinely have, have God's best for me at hand? Um, so, Father, thank you for this morning. And, Lord, we, uh, we covered a, a lot in a real quick period of time. Lord, I pray you'd set these as seeds in our hearts. Lord, may we not repeat, Lord, the, the faults, the disobedience, the, the decisions of the past, but may we walk with you and in your light and in your goodness. And Lord, you promise if we seek you, you, we will find you, that you will lead us. Give us the heart of David that he prayed over and over again. Lord, show me your ways. Let me walk in your steps, O Lord. Holy Spirit, now I just pray you'll come. Every one of us has a decision we're wrestling with. Every one of us has a decision in the past that we haven't resolved with you, God. May your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness, your conviction come to us. Bring healing, God. 
And Lord, we all have decisions where we, we need to make. We need you, Lord. Come and speak to your people, God. Holy Spirit, now. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.